this month, I want you to be thinking of this question. When's the last time you ran into a friend or dropped by a friend's house uh, without planning it? When's the last time you dropped by a friend's house uninvited without planning it? Uh, When was the last time you had a spontaneous encounter with anyone who was not a clerk, a barista, or someone serving you? Uh, If you're like me, it's awkward to just engage with someone without giving them a heads up, without scheduling uh, an appointment to be at their home or being invited to come over. You don't want to interrupt their, their, sometimes their dinner, their work schedule, sometimes if they're working at night, it's awkward. And yet, what we know is that uh, our greatest need in developing relationships is spontaneity. It's one of the prime ingredients to healthy relationships, engaging in one another with one another spontaneously. In fact, Dr. Rebecca Adams argues that what used to be a tribal culture, that is our being associated in a small space with lots of people, we don't experience anymore. Since college, when we experienced at the highest level engagement with people constantly in the dorm hall, in the bathroom, in our dorm room, or since high school, perhaps out in the outside near your locker or in the mall at your locker where you engage with people, once you get out of school and you start living in a home, you get married perhaps, you have children, all of a sudden, your primary space and the people you primary, primarily connect with are your immediate family, which is a joy most of the time. But sometimes if we don't engage with others, if we're not out connecting with others, it leaves us anxious and sometimes lonely, according to Dr. Adams. And the question I want to ask this morning is, how do we plan for some unforgettable Christmas moments, some unforgettable spontaneous moments this month? And I want to argue this morning, we don't. We don't plan them. The best moments you're going to have this month are things that you don't plan. They're things that the Holy Spirit brings your direction or asks you to do. What's good about these promptings is typically they don't involve money. (laughs) They're free. Our point this morning is that it won't cost you a dime to give someone your time. It won't cost you a dime to give someone your time. Just last week, I was hanging out at uh, Pete's Coffee, waiting for my order, and uh, I noticed that the person ahead of me bought coffee for a gentleman that looked homeless, and uh, I went up and just started talking to him, and I said, that was sure nice, a nice thing uh, for him to do. I'd seen him out front with, uh, with another fella. He said, yeah, it sure was. And I said, well, tell me about your situation. Where, where, how long have you been homeless? Where are your parents? Where would you like to be? And he shared his situation, and we weren't able to help right there on the spot. And I apologized. I said, I'm sorry, I couldn't do more today. And he said, you know what, it's okay. I just enjoyed talking to you. I just enjoyed talking to someone, just the conversation. Didn't cost, doesn't cost a dime to give someone your time. And it can be very meaningful for you to engage someone in conversation or be engaged. The Holy Spirit could speak to you or through you in a way that is deeply meaningful. Just by being present. It doesn't cost a dime to give a little bit of your time. This morning's story is from Bethlehem. It's a, it's a story, ironically, that comes from a city with whom Sacramento shares a twin 
sister relationship. It's considered a sister city of Sacramento. This was declared, I think, about five years ago. It's not unusual. The former mayor's uh, grandchildren, the former mayor of Bethlehem's grandchildren, have attended these schools here in Natomas Charter School and Intercom High School and probably some other schools. We have a relationship with Bethlehem, even still today. 2,000 years removed from the story I'm going to read to you this morning. I'm going to be in Luke chapter 2. Luke was the physician that Jesus entrusted the writing of uh, his life as well as the early church in the book of Acts. And if you came without a Bible and you want to follow, raise your hand. We'll get you one. I'm going to read a story about spontaneous hospitality. And hopefully you're going to see how Jesus might want you to uh, spontaneously go and see someone, visit someone, even if you're uninvited, and how Jesus may want you to host someone um, that you weren't anticipating in your home for, for a coffee, uh, for a dinner, for whatever. Let's, let's read this. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. How did the shepherds respond to seeing an angel? They were, yeah, it was, it's a, that is a common response to angels when they're in all their glory. Other occasions where angels are seen, they're not even recognized. <clears throat> but the angel said to them, probably Gabriel, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Let me, let's say that again. Uh, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great that will be for all the people. In the midst of a, a disheartening, heartbreaking week for Californians, was this not? This is a tough week for Californians. Uh, we need to know that there is still good news of great joy amidst all of the unspeakable pain that families experienced down in Southern California this last week. There's still reason for joy that Jesus provides. Joy and uh, uncommon acts of violence, joy and, and uh, tragedy... They happen sometimes simultaneously. I know this because do you know what's happening in this narrative simultaneously? As these shepherds are being given this announcement from angels that nearby in Bethlehem, Jesus the Savior has been born. Do you know what's happening simultaneously? There's another king, King Herod, who passed and he died in 4 B.C. He's actually, he's, he's not excited about the birth of Jesus. In Jesus' co-worker, Matthew's account, Matthew narrates that Herod the Great, who was a total narcissist, was actually plotting to have Jesus killed simultaneously to this herald. And you know what this tells me? It tells me that even though there is an increasing intensity of violence and uh, crime sometimes, I still can choose to put my... Trust in the Savior and have joy and peace in the midst of it all. Uh, joy continues. We can continue to bring hope even when, even when times are tough. 
Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. If you haven't read any of the books, uh, there's probably two or three out of young people or 20-somethings or even a fella, a pastor in his 40s who had a afterlife experience. What they describe is heaven having a sound that is indescribable. Uh, I would imagine this sound that these shepherds heard was indescribable. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about the child. And all who had heard it were amazed at the shepherd. At, they were all amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things in her heart. She, was, she kept a treasure chest of all the events around her and kept silent. And she pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The key ingredient for the f- development and formation of growing friendships is spontaneity. It's this willingness like the shepherds to say, hey, let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's just go say hi. In my home on Christmas Eve for the last two years, we have spontaneously left our home at about 11.50 p.m. and went over to some friend's house. Oh, they didn't invite us. We just went and knocked on the door. And on one occasion, they didn't answer. Pretty close friends. And Then we said, fine. Uh, We went to another neighbor and just hung out and visited for a half hour, hour, 45 minutes, and uh, hung out because we wanted to let them know you're important to us. And uh, they kicked us out as soon as they could to let us know we weren't as important to them as they were us. Just kidding. But it was kind of that just spontaneous, we want to go enjoy them. And then we went back the next year, and I think they were up, as I recall. I get the years mixed up. There's something fun about breaking rules of etiquette, social norms, and just going out and spontaneously connecting with someone. It's this time of year when I'm wooed by people that are just people of the earth that, that don't have as many boundaries. And I tell you, if you want to go meet some people that will infuse that Christmas spirit in your mind, go to Mikey's uh, Christmas Tree Land on East Commerce and Natomas Boulevard and just engage for a little bit with the workers there. I was so encouraged. I asked, I said, hey, I'm looking for a big tree. And he said, you want a big tree? Yeah, yes, sir, we'll get you a big tree. And he said, come on back here. I'll show you where all the hidden trees are. And we walked in the back and he said, you see that tree trunk? Yeah, that's a big tree. And we dug through the trees and got it out, and I offered to help him. I got this. Threw that thing on his shoulder and walked it out, and uh, I said, can you put that on my car? Sure enough, he got it on the car, and I went to the cashier, and she was a delightful gal from Oklahoma. Have you talked to people from Oklahoma lately? It's a great conversation. They are people uh, of the earth. 
uh, they're joyful people to be around. And she just started opening up, saying, yeah, my, 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 uh, my cousin's going through uh, a hard time in Oklahoma. Anyways, I don't know if the, if the story was designed to make me want to tip, but I'm, I spent more on that tree than I have in a lot of trees in a long time. Because I was so encouraged by these humble people uh, and this spontaneous conversation. It was a great moment for me, and I told them how much I enjoy their, uh, their tree lot and just their character, the way they care for people. Shepherds were no different. Shepherds are tender people uh, and tough people. First, they're up all night. They're protecting the, a flock from thieves or protecting a flock from prey, predators, uh, like lions or um, wolves. And so they're having to be on alert. They have to be ready to, to, to save a, a lamb from the mouth of a predator or to fend off some sort of thief, they have to be tough people, but they're also tender people. I met a shepherd 20 years ago in the Midwest in Carthage, Missouri, where I had my first job, and his name was Floyd Youngblood, and he was tough. I mean, he always talked like this. I don't know why he talked like this all the time, he, he, and don't try to speculate why. He just talked like that, uh, and he, he had big old forearms, tough farmer. But you know what he did in our church? He, he volunteered in our nursery. <laughs> he was a tender guy. I mean, he really cared for kids, like the beautiful children we had up on the platform today. You know, shepherds are that way. They're tender people. Uh, they get misty-eyed. Uh, this is the kind of month where you want to you wanna let the tender come out of you. <laughs> Maybe someone's feeling a little angry today, and what you need to tell them is, hey, Dad, let the tender come out a little today for you. You might say that in a time of non-conflict. Uh, but you, you, this is the month to be available, to, like a shepherd, to be tender. These shepherds, they hurriedly and spontaneously go and to see Jesus. They want to see a baby. <laughs> they want to see if everything is true, if the this it's called a theophany from these angels. This, this revelation is really true. They hurry and they travel to Bethlehem. Now, the distance between Bethlehem and the capital of Jerusalem is 5.7 miles. It would be comparable to the distance between Natomas and our state capital downtown. I don't know how far they are from, from Bethlehem. Maybe it's just over the hill. I don't know. But I know that they were willing to leave and to go and do what it took to, to run or jog or walk to go see this baby in the middle of the night. And I just want to ask you, in the spirit of this kind of spontaneous willingness to go, who will God's Spirit prompt you to go visit in December? Who will you be prompted to go out and just see? And maybe just be with, bring them a gift. Maybe share what Christmas means to you. Who will the Holy Spirit lead you to? And I think the answer is you don't know. But I want to challenge you to be ready. It may catch you off guard just like these shepherds were caught off guard to just go and to share. In the last uh, couple years, we've had some people surprise us. Um, I had uh, somebody come to my house um, a couple years ago and uh, just surprise me on Christmas Day. It was such a meaningful time. And sometimes you're not always uh, going, sometimes you're hosting these very unplanned interactions. There are three crucial conditions to making close friends. Here's what they are. Uh, repeated, 
unplanned interactions, proximity, and a let-your-guard-down setting. You've got to be in a setting where people can chillax, uh, a comfortable place. These shepherds hurried towards Bethlehem. When they saw Jesus, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Now, what's interesting is that these shepherds arrived at uh, a first-century home, and uh, a first-century home in Bethlehem uh, would have, could we get that up on the screen there, would have a <clears throat> three rooms on the bottom floor, and the room on the far right of the, of the first-century home is the manger. It's where uh, the sheep or the uh, cattle were kept. That's where Jesus and, was born, and, and Mary and uh, Mar- Mary, not Mary, Martha, Mary and Jesus. Oh, that was, I do not want to do that again. And uh, in the center room was the kitchen, and the far left room was the storage room. Upstairs is where family resided, and uh, on the far right is sometimes would be a guest room. But you can imagine, as these shepherds were arriving at this home, uh, Mary and Jesus probably weren't overly excited about being hospitable. They have been in this manger for six or seven days. And I don't know if you've been to a stable lately or if you're driving on Highway 99 or Interstate 5 and have just through Bakersfield or maybe Lodi, just someone in your family made that unforgivable sin of rolling down the window and that odor came in where it was hard to breathe. How many of you are ready to move on from this, from this description? That's what it was like in a manger. Now, in Bethlehem, it was built, most of the homes were built on a slope, so some of the, the, the stuff would move away. But there's only so many pumpkin spice candles that you can burn to create a clean atmosphere in that manger, in that stable, in that downstairs uh, area. Talk about a come-just-as-you-are, um, uh, you know, comfortable environment for shepherds. <laughs> they were comfortable. This is their element. And Mary and Jesus just had to be hospitable, and they were. They invited them in, and they welcomed them in as guests. You know, the Bible teaches us a real high value for hospitality. Holy Writ suggests that we should not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels unaware. Uh, This is descriptive of Abraham and Sarah when they showed hospitality to strangers. They didn't realize it, but they were angels. Sometimes you wouldn't recognize an angel. Sometimes uh, an angel is uh, very common looking. Uh, Other times, like for the shepherd's experience, they're, they're overwhelming and terrifying to see. That's also very common. We're told to show hospitality. What if someone comes to your home and surprises you this, this month? I, it was crazy. This has not happened to me in probably, I don't know, it seems like a year. But last night at 10 o'clock, I got a text. Hey, Mr. Matthews, would it be all, would it be all right if I spent the night at your house tonight? I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> Does this person know what message I'm sharing tomorrow? And I said, absolutely. What am I going to say? No, you're not welcome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I love this kid. He's a sweet young, like a family member to ours, and uh, he just was in the area and needed a place to stay? Absolutely. You have pantry rights. You have refrigeration, refrigerator rights. 
to all my sons, get the bed ready, love having, love having him over. How are you going to respond when someone just shows up at your place? Or as I experienced on a Christmas day in 2012, one of my friends just came over just to visit, to bring us a couple gifts on Christmas day. We were having a great meal. We just said, hey, do you want to eat with us? And the the friend didn't want to, you know, be a burden. I'm like, we have way too much food here. Please, please, won't you eat some of this? And he said, oh, I'm kind of busy. I'm like, yeah, I'm sure you are. It's Christmas. You have nothing going. Stay here. You're with us. And he did. And we had, I'll never forget that Christmas. The greatest Christmas moments you're going to have this year are going to be the ones that you don't plan. Don't be too hard on yourself for, don't beat yourself up for not planning every detail of every moment out. Do you think these shepherds planned for this angelic engagement? Did they plan to run maybe a 5K to Bethlehem? No. Did, uh, did Mary and Joseph plan that their birthing center would be that? No. Did they plan on the shepherds showing up? No. Did they plan on the magi who probably followed the shepherds showing up with, uh, you know, lots of gold and myrrh and frankincense? No. Did they plan that before they went home to Nazareth that they would have a dream and God would tell them, hey, you need to go to Egypt. <laughs> it's, I know you're not feeling that great, but you've got a long journey. You need to go to Egypt for two years because Herod the Great's trying to take the life of your child. Did they plan that? No. I'm just here to say the best Christmas moments are ones we don't plan. And today I want to simply ask you, who will the Holy Spirit prompt you to go and spontaneously visit this month? Or just someone who's not waiting on you, someone who's just there. Who will the Holy Spirit prompt you to just go over and just give a few extra minutes to? Finally, who will the Holy Spirit ask you to host this month? And practice good discretion with that. Don't put yourself in harm's way. You know, don't put a, you know, sign at your house that said, you know, anyone can stay here tonight. I mean, that might be a little risky, but you never know uh, when God's Spirit may ask you to do something that's spontaneous. At Adventure, our number one dream this year is that half of our congregation would be doing life in their neighborhoods, in this community. That we would take time outside of our, the square footage of our apartments, our condos, our duplexes, our homes, and we would spend time in other spaces with our friends and neighbors, out front in our yard. That we would do life like our grandparents did, out front. In that atta- with that attached garage, we would spend more time out front. And it means putting down the remote sometimes. It means, uh, um, you know, taking the, the blankets off uh, the feet in the family room and going out. We think it's the number one need for, for our community in Natomas for us to be doing life with neighbors, loving them, and uh, bringing Jesus hope right here. You've, you've uh, heard a message about the spontaneous nature of Christmas. Shepherds getting a message, <laughs> running a 5K to Bethlehem. Mary and Joseph <laughs> stuck in a manger for seven days. At least on the eighth day, they went to Jerusalem to dedicate uh, Jesus, to have him circumcised. Uh, this was all very spontaneous. What's the Holy Spirit going to do for you this Christmas? Maybe the greatest gift you give is not just your time. Maybe the greatest gift you give to Almighty God is the decision to trust that his son was not only born in Bethlehem, but that his son grew up to be a 30-something who knew his job 
was to allow the Roman government to execute him on that execution apparatus as a substitutionary death for your sins so that when God looked at you, he saw Jesus and you could have the hope of life now and, and life to come in the future because you've trusted in the perfect one to pay the price of your sins, your selfishness, your weaknesses. If you've never believed in him, I want to give you a chance to right now to say, Jesus, I, I totally trust in you for my sins. And also, I'm going to give you a chance to today to say, Lord, you got me. I'm willing to be spontaneous this Christmas. All right? And for all of you planners, I realize that may be very awkward for you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, firstly, thank you for reminding us that we can have joy and celebrate the good news even when tragedy is happening. And God, we just pray your spirit would be comforting. Our fellow Californians who lost loved ones, uh, mothers, sons, parents, folks near retirement in San Bernardino, please comfort them with the hope that Jesus brings. God, we thank you that Jesus, this boy who grew up, was willing to submit to your will and suffer so we could have the hope of forgiveness. And we simply restate, we believe in his sacrifice for our sins. If you're here today and you've never made that decision or want to simply recommit it, I challenge you right from where you're seated to say, Jesus, I trust you as the leader of my life. You sacrificed your life for my sins. Say that right from where you're seated if you need to restate it. Jesus, I trust you as the leader of my life. You suffered for my sins. And if you're here and you're, you feel awkward about doing the spontaneous sometimes, about visiting, and, <laughs> visiting uninvited or, uh, or hosting <laughs> someone that's uninvited, and you're the planner, you're, you've got Excel spreadsheets that have mapped out through mid-January, and you're like, you know what, I could use a little more spontaneity. If that's you, right from where you're seated, I just want to ask you to raise your hand and say, I'm willing to be spontaneous this Christmas. Raise your hand high if that's you. Raise it up. Praise the Lord. Father, thank you for the chance this morning to simply uh, move into the kind of spontaneous hospitality we see in Bethlehem. In Jesus' name, amen.